Well, hello, 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 and welcome to episode number 78 of the Average Man Podcast, brought in there by the Fratellis with Slow. What a cruisy track that is, man. Um, I heard that track um, on the, I don't know if it was the finale or one of the, the later episodes of um, the TV series Kingdom. So I don't know if you guys have seen Kingdom, but um, it's a badass TV show, man. I loved it. Um, I'm not sure, again, if they're finished or that's just as far as they've got for now. They could kind of finish it where they did if they wanted to, or they could probably go another season. Sometimes it's good to just see them uh, wrap up on a high, you know. And um, I, I was I was blown away by the, we'll call it the finale. I was blown away by the finale. <sighs> Without too much of a spoiler, basically a big... Uh, main character dies um, sort of at the end of the second last episode and the way that they deal with it in that last episode I thought was absolutely brilliant so I don't know if anyone's watched Kingdom but it's uh follows this family-owned gym MMA gym in like Venice Beach Los Angeles and um, it's like it's more about the drama you know of the, the people rather than the actual fights um, the fights are more of a take a secondary kind of role in it it's more about the drama running the gym and the personal lives of these guys a lot of them are dysfunctional and fucked up sort of uh messed up pardon my french a little bit too early in the podcast to be swearing sort of people and that's just it was done really well great actors uh great script uh really good storyline it just felt like they had a good um idea of what they wanted to to portray uh, as the whole thing went along, sometimes those shows they start off really well. These TV series, these like really well done TV series that we get these days, some of them start off really good and they kind of lose their way. Um, I don't, I feel like these guys they didn't lose their way. They knew what they wanted to do, where they were going with it, and um, there really wasn't many lulls in the in the whole series. Sometimes you felt, yeah, yeah, for, it, it could have easily fallen into like a. A bit of drama happens, a fight happens. A bit of drama happens, a fight happens, and and it kind of could become a bit of a, a model that they that they played on. But they did well at mixing it up and introducing new characters at the right times and changing roles of the existing characters and stuff like that. And I thought they did a really good job. And the finale, man. So this character dies, and I won't mention who it was or anything to 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 be a massive spoiler. But just the way the the the. The, the camera work, like the filmography or whatever you want to call it, cin- cinematography, like the, the angles of the, uh, the way that they filmed these the, the characters in that final episode. And the, like it was almost like at times the, the rest of the, um, the, the outside world was like secondary to what the noise and, and what was going on in their own heads as they were dealing with, you know, like the shock of someone dying and then the guilt feelings and depression that goes with it and how there's so much noise that can go on in your own head sometimes and there's someone there standing there talking to you and they're kind of nearly secondary and background noise to you and then that whole thing where parallel to that is that yeah life even though you're devastated and your world's devastated and someone's life's over like your life you know and just life in general just keeps on just chugging along so you know the the mundane things that you have to do day in day out they don't stop when you know a massive tragedy happens in your life and that juggling act of dealing with stress and loss and um, all those feelings and also just getting up and doing what you have to do every single day to get to get through so I think they did a great job of that Um, there was a speech that one of the characters who's very close to the guy that died um, 
gives and you know it was just a great speech it wasn't super polished and like it was heartfelt but it wasn't super polished hollywood kind of speech it was inappropriate and went off track a bit and was kind of uncomfortable to listen to and just really raw you know and i just um i thought they did such a good job man i was blown away by that that finale and again if they finish there I'm, i'm happy i think they did a great job with the whole show and the series and so much so that I really want to see more. So I think that's a great, I think that's the the um, trademark of a, of a great movie or show or series that you know um, they can finish on a high, they can finish on a bang like that, and really leave you wanting more. But they maybe don't need to do more because um, you know sometimes shows go on for just too many seasons and they really lose the pl- and you don't end up following it. So it could be something that you loved so much, like we were fully into Dexter when it first came out and then by season three it's kind of like um we're on repeat now they try and add a few more it always escalates and they add a bit more drama and and whatever and the stakes are always higher but it really was just the same thing over and over again and more and more unbelievable and by the end we weren't really that interested i think we i think we watched them all but we weren't really that interested anymore and um you know that there's a few shows that have been like that i think i think breaking bad probably did it really well um I think Sons of Anarchy sort of half and half. I was really, really bought into it until the very end, but I kind of feel that they they killed off too many characters and didn't replace them with other really good, intriguing and interesting characters along the way. So you know, maybe they they got me really good with the drama and some of the acting and and stuff in it, but the the script and the characters and the and the whole direction was a little bit fluffy near the end. So. But yeah, I just to see someone do it so well, I thought it was great, man. Really good show. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. And it's not just an MMA meathead show. It's good acting, good scripts, good good drama. Um, just done really well. So yeah, big tangent at the beginning there. But that was a, a song from the show Kingdom. Um, yeah, slow. And welcome anyway. As I said, episode number 78. Uh, cruising along now. A few quick shout outs. To Captured by Carlos, PPC Productions, Life and Soul, Ironworks, Northwest Liquor, Beards and Sheards, uh, Shafted Spearfishing, Total Tools and Fasteners. Um, special shout out to the Junction Co. Uh, that's a gallery over there in, uh, I believe it's in South. Um, you know, because I'll let you know why. A special shout out to them. But yeah, just uh, all those local businesses around the place um, doing their thing. I'm all about that local business, uh, local sort of uh, enterprise and entre- entrepreneurship. So uh, big shout out to all those guys, man, doing your thing. And anybody else that wants to get in contact, I say this all the time. If you're listening and you know someone in town who's got their own venture they're going out on or they run a business or they're involved in a business, local local um, enterprise, whatever it is, and you think that they'd like to have a chat or someone involved would like to have a chat to me, hit me up, get hold of me. I'm keen. I just want to talk to everybody and anybody who's doing anything cool uh, in town and having a, having a go of it. So big shout-outs. Now, where are we? Well, first of all, I want to address... The fact that it's what what's the date today? It's Sunday the thirtieth of August. We got one more day left of August and we're already hitting thirty-nine degree days, uh thirty-eights, thirty-sevens, like pretty regularly all of a sudden. And it came on just super, super quick, man. My parents came up to visit us at the start of August and it was beautiful. We were hitting a couple of thirties, twenty-eights, you know, maybe a thirty-one here and there, still cold nights, chilly mornings. I still had the beanie in the jump jumper on in the mornings. 
and then the days would warm up and it was quite nice and then we'd cool off again pretty quick in the Arvo. Fast forward sort of the last week of their visit here and it just got hotter and hotter and hotter consistently and now we're hitting those 39s, man, and it just seems, it seems super early. It seems super early. I posted a, a clip on my, my, my Instagram page um, doing a bit of a play on the the, uh, the winter is coming scene from uh, from Game of Thrones that most people know pretty well, sort of with the, the flip side, summer is coming because, you know, it's like that when you live in Headland, isn't it? And you, you know what's what you're ex- expecting and you know what's coming and you're kind of preparing yourself to go through it all again, whereas in places, some places around the world, they bunker down for this crazy winter where they're going to have to be shoveling snow off their driveways and and you know people getting snowed in for weeks at a time and uh wearing three or four layers of clothing and all that kind of crazy stuff they do over there frost on your on your windscreens and here we are preparing for a summer that we know is just going to be brutal you know the tar starts melting on the roads you walk outside your house and it's just an oven man it's just inescapable when it's so hot like that i take two shirts at least to work a towel you wipe your face and the sweat off you change a shirt over at smoker let it dry out in the sun put a clean one on swap them out as the, as the day goes on it's just it's brutal you go to the pool or the beach or whatever for a dip and the water's warm the water out of your taps warm you can't have a cold refreshing shower and it's coming man it's coming so i don't know if that it, uh, it's on everybody's lips and it's one of those things weather can be small talk quite often right but when you're in a place with extreme temperatures and extreme weather conditions weather is actually a viable topic to talk about and i don't know why because we can't change it we'll bitch and moan about it and everyone will be going oh it's so bloody hot and it won't change it's going to be hot all it's going to be hot until march april next year and it's given us a dose of it bloody early. I think last year it got hot around October, this kind of hot. And it's not unbearable yet. It's not that at all. It's just that people who live here and uh, experience these summers, we know that what's coming. I and mean, if it's hot like this already, we're wondering what's September going to look like, what's October going to look like, then November. And that's more about what it is. It's actually still quite nice outside now, and the evenings are just warm and balmy. They're not hot, hot. But it's more about that, oh, the the yeah, anticipation of what's coming in the future. But yeah, at the moment it's still quite nice. The water's still beautiful to swim in. Um, I actually went diving yesterday. I finally went diving. Um, my mate uh, Robbie, he was on a few episodes ago. Um, for bang, the episode Bang Bang, I can't remember what number that was. Maybe 74, 75, somewhere around there. And we spoke about hunting, spearfishing, diving camping all that sort of stuff um he took me out uh yesterday it was a bit of a last minute um invite and he went out in the afternoon for a for a bit of a strike mission it was going to be a three or four hour mission turned into a uh sort of six hour mission which is all right um six seven hour mission whatever it was but yeah finally finally went out man and um i had a had a blast just going out on the boat it was a beautiful day the viz was pretty good um but i mean myself me my my form was terrible so big, big shout out and thanks to Robbie for taking me out and taking me under your wing. And um, he's a really patient sort of dude, um, very knowledgeable. Um, so he's given me a few tips along the way as well, um, but not overloading me because really I'm, I'm full blown amateur. Especially now I've di- I've dived I dove 
out out wide once last year, and then the last time before that would have been 2015. So really have not done any diving uh, to speak of in the last five years. So anything that I did um, pick up and know is really in the back seat now, and I need to just learn it all again, start from scratch anyway. So, but I mean, I've gone. I've moved from a float system, so your spear gun attached to a float line which goes up to a float that sits on the surface. So when you shoot a fish, you can let go of your gun if you need to, hold the float line, swim up to the surface and then reel your gun in or pull your gun in by hand. I've gone away from that system to the reel system which guys use, most guys up here use, which is just a little reel with um, a bunch of line on it on the side of your gun so you shoot a fish and then if they decide to go for a swim, you can let the line out. Um... Yeah, and just swim up to the surface with your gun. So I was using a new, a new gun, new system—not a new gun, but a new system that I wasn't quite used to. So reloading it, stuff—you got to get used to doing that in the water while you're floating around, fighting the currents. Um, oh, my first shot at a fish—we'd been in the water for a few times, uh, for uh, maybe for sorry, for a few minutes, maybe half hour, forty minutes. I'd I'd done about four or five dives down, and. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, and I'd finally got a, had, a, had a shot at a fish, and it was a Mackie, so he wasn't sitting down the, the bottom, he was only sitting about halfway, and my bloody safety was jammed on. Um, I kind of, yeah, it was on, which was fine, I had a shot and didn't go off, so I had time, enough time to, to adjust it and, and turn the safety off, but it, it was jammed on, which I did, did remember from the last time I used my gun, so I couldn't switch it off easily, I had to go back up to the surface, grab my knife out, and and basically forced the safety off with my knife and then the fish was gone by that by that time so um i was pretty spewing about that um i could have shot a mackie he was in point blank range uh, you know I, I doubt i would have missed that shot um at least i had a chance to shoot him so i messed up the first shot and but the the last two or three dives i had on that 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 spot we were at i finally started getting down to the bottom at least um because i was really uncomfortable diving at first i was only going down about maybe seven meters six seven meters at first and finally worked my way down to the bottom which was about 10 meters get down and sort of touch the bottom hang out there for a couple of seconds and have a look around and come back up i wasn't really in a good position to be shooting anything but i was just trying to get comfortable again diving and going down the bottom so that was you know aside from missing the or not having my safety off and, and not getting a good shot on the mackie it wasn't too bad for me just getting comfortable and then we just you know robbie shot a trout and uh a mackie there um, yeah, I think just the two there, shot a trout and a mackie at that spot, um, and maybe a blue bone there too, I cannot remember, I think that might have been the next spot, and then we decided to jump on board and cruise over and have a look at another spot he, uh, that he had, um, you know, mapped out, so we jumped in the boat, cruised over there, and, and it really kind of went downhill for me from there, sort of, I mean, I actually shot a fish at the next spot, but it was a bit of a, a cheap shot. Like I, I wasn't getting down to the bottom anymore, even though we were only a couple of meters deeper. Um, it was the viz was a bit worse, and I think I was a bit gassed. Like already, you know, I'd, I probably dived about seven or eight times all up, and then swimming against the current and, and yada yada yada. But I was feeling quite, yeah, quite gassed by that stage already, and just couldn't get comfortable enough to get a good uh, breath of air and, and get down the bottom. Um, and but I saw a big big trout hanging out down the bottom so I went down and I was still probably a good meter or so above him and I shot him from above which I feel is a bit cheap and dirty but I just wanted to get a fish so I shot him from above and it was messy shot it went in near his gills and came out the, the other side of of the fillet down near his tail so I made a bit of a mess of the fillet and pulled him up to the top and took me ages to get the gun the, the spear out because it was sort of stuck in in the in the you know the meat and his and his 
skin and all that kind of shit to flap on my gun. So I was messing around for ages trying to get the spear out. And it took me ages to reload the gun. Actually, Robbie helped me reload it. So it was all very, very amateurish um, for me. But I did get a fish. And it was a nice big trout. I haven't mentioned him, but he was a nice, big, solid trout. You know, I just wanted to shoot a fish. So I kind of wanted to get that off off my mind and off the table and then just practice diving and, and kind of relax a bit rather than thinking about uh, getting a fish the whole time. Um, but I was just gassed, man. So, you know, I got the, I got the big trout um, and then, uh, yeah, I didn't really get down to the bottom again at all from there. I got within a metre of the bottom, so I think it was probably about 11 metres I was diving, but I wasn't feeling good at all um, and the current was getting stronger and that. So we jumped back in the boat, cruised up, just to have a look around the markers for a bit and have a bit of a dive down there um, and just off off one of the markers when I was coming back to the boat um, I saw two big Mackies uh, swimming through so I had a shot at one of them and I was just out of range it was a bad shot it was very amateurish and didn't hit him um, and then instead of loading the gun Robbie passed me another gun that was already preloaded out of the boat had another shot bloody missed that one as well so super super amateur hour from from me um, but then Robbie jumped in with his big 1500 and, and got a shot on on one of these Mackies. By this stage, I thought I'd, I'd go swim back to the boat because we were just sort of drifting over the over the area. I'd jump back in the boat and, and pull it around and go pick him up. And I hear this, oh, I've lost my gun. And I've gone, oh, no, far out. What happened there? So I've turned the boat around. I've come back towards him and he's spilled. He's gone, no, my gun. Oh, I lost my gun. I said, oh, no, what's happened, mate? So he's jumped up the boat and he was sort of explaining to me what happened. There was a few sharks hanging around harassing this Mackie and as he sort of head down kind of trying to pull the Mackie up a little bit, he'd normally let him swim around and, and tire themselves out a bit but because the sharks were, were looking very keen, he had to try and get it up pretty quickly. And the, the and as he's in the in the uh, melee and the confusion of the uh, of the uh, event, he's sort of, I think the his head must have come, must have come up out of the water and as he's gone back down, it's kind of folded his, his goggles back a little bit. So I think he went to adjust his goggles and at the same time he's sort of loosened his grip on the line a little bit and the Mackie's given a big kick and just took off and pulled the line out of his hand. He didn't have his gun attached to the other reel on his hip like he normally would and it just bloody took off. It was just tragic. Like he's a, he's a bloody experienced shooter, spearfisher and you know, um, I think he was pretty spewing. He might be a bit upset for me to tell him, for telling the story in the podcast, but yeah, I got to tell the story. Since I was out there, and this is what happened. So um, I'm sure he'd be fine with it. But yeah, and it got away. It was bloody spewing. So we got got back up on the boat, and it was all a little bit quiet and somber for a minute there. And he goes, "Oh, we'll just we'll just hang around the area for a bit and sort of see if." See if the um, you know if he ties himself out and the gun resurfaces and I was thinking yeah okay no worries man doesn't doesn't seem very likely like you know a fish like that can go for a big big swim um, if he feels like it and who knows where that gun could end up but we were hanging around for just a minute or so and then all of a sudden he goes there there's my gun there it is and it was just sure enough bobbing up near the surface so I went, oh sweet he was he was driving at this time so we we turned around and I said you want me to jump in and grab it and he goes no no I'll grab it and he didn't. He didn't want me to help out and go and get the gun, and then he had have to say that that I helped get the fish at all. So fair enough. He he, he um, turned around and went towards the back of the boat to jump in, and it's all a bit hectic at this time because we can see the the gun just bobbing up and down. We don't want that fish to go for another big run. <laughs> and as he gets to the back of the boat, you know he sort of tripped over some of the gear that was there and in, and and exited very uh, very ungracefully. So. Basically, he fell out the back of the boat, boom, smashed his leg on the ladder on the way out. And I heard this, ah, I've gone, oh, man, are you all right? And the next thing, he's just paddling like mad over towards the gun, grabs the gun. He's like, ah, 
yeah, I've got, the, oh, I've got me going back. It was stoked because it was starting to bob underwater at this stage, you know, a couple of metres or a metre or so underwater, but you could still just see the colour of it. You got the bloody gun. He was, yeah, oh, yeah pass me a fin. Oh, he might not have had the gun yet. He might have had to dive down. So I've grabbed a fin, jumped off the boat, paddled it over to him. He's put a fin on, dived down, grabbed the gun, grabbed the line, pulled it up, comes to the surface and he, can go, and he goes, oh, I can see why, why the fish stopped swimming and we got the gun back because the sharks, there's about five um, uh, there was about five uh, bronze whalers g- going around having a go at this Mackie and they'd bitten like the back quarter off it probably yeah just under the back quarter off this Mackie so they'd taken his tail off and he'd stopped swimming and basically that's what saved the gun it, it's, it, it stopped him from being able to, to just keep smashing away and, and disappear with the, the spear hanging out of him so Lost a quarter of the fish to the sharks, but got it back. Robbie's in the water going, ah, ah, you know, these sharks trying to get him away from his fish while we're getting everything sorted and getting the gun and, the, and everything out of the water. Pulls the gun up, pulls the fish up, passes it to me, we pull it up on deck, and, man, it was bloody heavy. I don't know if he's weighed what's what's left of it back at home, but she was a big she was a big fish. Um, I'll, I'll throw a couple of pics of, up of it later. Um, but, yeah, she was, a, she was a big fish, even with the, the quarter back um, end of her missing. And thank goodness that the sharks decided to come in and have a bit of a nibble because that's the only reason we got a five or $600 gun back. So it was very, very eventful. Um, and I had a bloody great day out, man. I was just super... Um, even though I haven't been out for a long time and I shouldn't have any expectations of myself, I, I just do. That's the way I am. Um, I, I'm fit in the general everyday um, life anyway and I'm you know I'm a working man so I do expect a lot out of myself physically and I just my breath was just terrible my cardio is terrible I'm, I feel knackered today I feel like my um when I breathe deeply I feel like my uh, I don't know if it's my diaphragm or whatever feels like bruised or strained or something so obviously I'm not breathing properly I'm breathing up too hard I got a lot of practice to do a lot of work to do get my breath up get my technique up um, just I got a lot of work to do, man. I need to do some pool work, and I've definitely got the buzz though to get back out um, and do it again. And, I've, and I'll let Robbie know that, man. That I'm I'm all about those uh, those quick strike missions, four, five, six hours. You know, I'm I'm keen as for that. I'm not really keen to leave at three in the morning and come back at six in the night. But those half days, I'm I'm all I'm all about it. So I'm so stoked to go out. And um, yeah, it was it was a crazy situation with the the Mackie and nearly losing the gun and getting the gun back bit off by a shark um yeah it was pretty pretty hectic but look we got a bunch of fish i think rob shot a yeah a couple of mackies uh, bluey trout and i shot myself a nice big trout as well so it wasn't pretty but we got the result we wanted in the end and um, i'm sure we'll both go out and do better next time around so what a, what a bloody day out man i was stoked to get out and, and um yeah definitely got the bug back for it i need to go get a new wetsuit and um, my goggles broke while my mask broke while I was out there, so I need a new mask. And yeah, this it's, it's all um, it's definitely a a, a thing in uh, that I got a lot of work to do on. Anyway, it's um a work in progress. That's the word I was looking for. I'm gonna need to upgrade some gear and upgrade my lungs and my technique and everything really. But I was stoked to get out there, man. So yeah, what a bloody day. Um, aside from that, there's some exciting things happening around town at the moment. I don't know if you guys have, have heard, but word on the street, um, Nick from, from Total Tools and Fastness was telling me at a, at a kid's um, birthday party the other day. That's how we roll these days, standing around at kid's birthday parties talking about um, junk. So, um, But basically, he was telling me the, the heady, which has just for years been 
run just terribly. It, it frustrates me every time I go there or even when I drive past and see that bottle shop that's not open. Like it's, I don't know how you can have a, a pub and a hotel and accommodation in that location on the ocean uh, in the middle of town, um, just prime location and just run it into the ground. No, hardly anybody's ever there. Uh, the last two or three times I've been there, they've had no beer, no beer on tap, all little paper signs saying NA on all the on the taps. They haven't had that bottle that that uh, drive-through bottle shop uh, open for years now. There's never anyone there on a Friday night or a Saturday night. No music. No like the TV setups are all amateurish with like Kmart leads and power boards hanging everywhere, and it's it's just terrible, man. Like and the setup with that outdoor area wouldn't even call it a beer garden. It doesn't wrap around properly. There's not enough shade. And um, it, it's a disgrace, really, man. If you can't even run a pub on the ocean with a drive through bottle shop in a mining town, y- y- that's incompetent. It's just uh, obviously the owners, I think there are some big overseas mob, just did not give a shit about it and just let it do whatever hell it did. And I suppose they made the money off the accommodation down next door, whatever it is. But even six, seven years ago, there used to be a half-decent spot to go and have a beer. It was never great, but it was half-decent. There was a vibe there. People used to go eat at the restaurant. We don't do that anymore. Um, And it's the best spot, one of the best spots in town, really, that and the the yacht club. So there's no reason not to, for it not to be um, kicking ass. And the good news is there's this group, I think they're a family group, whatever, business called the Prindivals. Um, They buy and do up old hotels. So they own the cot. Down in Cottesloe, down in Perth, the Quokka's Arms. They've recently done up, they did up the mangroves in Broome. They've recently just done up the Mercure in Broome. And apparently, they uh, this is what they do they buy old hotels and do them up and make them mint. And, like, if you know, obviously the Quokka's Arms and the Cot and the Cot and the mangroves and all that, they're, they're really good spots. So, they've got a good track record. Apparently, they bought about 10 pubs. They got one, They got the Mercure in Broome. They got the Heady in town. They bought one in Kalgoorlie, I think one in Alice Springs. And I think there was a bunch of other pubs I had to buy as part of that deal as a package but they were kind of the crown jewels and uh, they've just finished doing up the mercure and the word on the street is that there was a deal with management that they they had the same management in place for a specific amount of time there must have been some sort of contract that was still in place uh, that contract finished not the Friday just gone but Friday before that so a week and a half ago week just over a week ago which was be which would be why there's been no beer on tap for the last month or whatever they're just running the bloody place dry so Management's finished. That lady's out, or that person's out. You'll notice there's a new sign up there now. They've called it the Headland Hotel. Lovely. It's not some chain thing, you know, the Ibis, the the um, the bloody All Seasons or whatever the, the hell it was called before that, but it's the Headland Hotel. Beautiful, nice and local, nice and simple. And word on the street is that the I think the plans for the new um, building, the new structure they're going to do there, will be out sort of by the end of the year and they're going to break ground on it, try and get it done during the wet season. Um, I've heard some other wild tales about a big two-story joint they're going to put out, they're going to put on the pub side there with a the big you know, beer deck out the front. Um, and it's just it's just really good news, you know, as well, uh, as well because these guys, I think they own a winery or two, they're going to put their own wine on, they're going to put the good beers on that people like to drink, not just random crap. Like, um, God bless the Yacht Club. Um, you know, things are better there than they have been for a while, but, you know, they've got some of the crappiest beers on tap, Pirate Life and some other crap that nobody drinks. 
The same with the Esplanade. I love the Esplanade. I love going in there for a beer. They got fat yak there, which is not bad. But we, you know, we want the James Squires and the little creatures and the Elsies and 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 you know these other other beers that people love drinking. We want a couple of ginger beers, some good ciders, some boomers on tap, things like that. Like we want some range. We want some good range of wines and stuff. You know, people will go there and spend money and buy the piss if you put it on. And apparently that's what these guys do, as well as they usually bring one of their experienced or some of their experienced staff to town, get them in there, get them set up, get them to run it for a year or so and train up the, the local um, staff and then, you know, give it a half a chance to, to get off the ground and do and, and to run properly. So I'm super excited about that, man. It's like a cave from my house. I can just cruise down there on the pushy or the skating and go down for a beer and a feed or whatever, go down for, for a feed with the missus at night. Um, on the weekends because they've got that restaurant there too so so that's pretty um that's pretty exciting man and i really hope that 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 goes ahead as planned um and yeah aside from that there's obviously the marina that's by all accounts going ahead now i still kind of believe it when i see it but obviously this planning uh, uh it's in the planning stages everybody knows about it they're doing the boardwalk from the the boat ramp to the to the yacht club now which is um pretty cool um, running along the back of the houses on the, the ocean side of Kings Mill there, which everybody's going to be pretty happy about except the people who have houses right there. Some of those dudes have their yards that go out past the actual boundary of their property because they were kind of just allowed to do that. And now you'll see where they've marked out the pathway with the um, little pickets and pink ribbons that run straight through some people's like back entertaining areas. They've got beautiful grassed areas there. It's all fenced off and that's going to get cut in half by this boardwalk because it's all on crown land, you know. So apart from those guys, everybody else would be pretty happy um, about that. The marina going ahead. Uh, there's some crazy rumours and I've no idea how much um, substance there is to these, but apparently they're going to fill in some of the area some of the mud flats between uh between cook point and pretty pool i guess i don't know what side of of uh four mile creek they're talking about but they're going to fill in some of that mud flat area with perhaps some of the spoil that comes out from the marina um, and and develop that land as well because obviously they're starting to knock down a bunch of houses in the west end now like that is that's fully uh that's underway the houses that bhp owner anyway are on the on the demo list, just sort of slowly knocking them down, not to cause too much public outcry, but but that's that's happening. So there's heaps of work in town, man. Um, another thing I heard actually from a little birdie was that BHP have rolled out their new employees employee uh, housing scheme, which which sort of is similar to the FMG scheme, um, will allow the employees to buy their own houses and have BHP cover the mortgage. I think pay the interest on it up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars anyway, which is I don't know probably pays out your loan for several years before you have to start um, um, paying the interest on it yourself. So I guess if you pay a uh, if you buy a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house, you have to pay for the other hundred thousand. I think that's how that would work. And then they get power and water, and that's basically all the the benefits you'd get, which is a, probably a pretty good idea, man. Like, um, you know, I know there's a lot of problems with the BHP rentals in town. There's they're forever fixing mold. Um, and just maintenance on them. The maintenance between tenants is is off the charts. Um, you know, I know that because we do, we do a lot of it. It's just it's, it's a never ending uh, game, and they must spend so much money owning houses, then renting them out for free, then maintaining them, and people don't really look after them. And then there's the mold issues. So it must be cheaper to sell off some of their old houses and and get guys to move into their own accommodation and pay for the the mortgage that way, and then at least they don't they don't have to do the maintenance and and um 
and, and sort out all the mould for them and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like a pretty smart idea to me. And it's and again, another, another step closer to having a town where, where people live in the town rather than they just work here and they're here for five years. They come here, they buy a house, they, they're committed to stay here for a, a decent period of time. So I'm all about that. Um, that seems to be a pretty good um, incentive that BHP are, are, um, are going ahead with now. And that's been announced, I'm pretty sure. So that's pretty cool. I think they'll sell off some of their older crappier houses that need work or whatever um, and keep some of the nicer ones around Cook Point and Pretty Pool and the ones that they've already spent a, a bunch of money on, etc. So, But that's pretty cool and it's probably work out cheaper for them in the long run and, and better for the tenants too or the, 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 the employees too. Um, but yeah, and you know, just something I found out interesting the other day. I've had an opinion on the whole buyback scheme of the West End but um, not being a, a journalist or anything of the sort, uh, just an average man, um, I probably didn't have a lot of the facts um, in tow, and I still don't agree with it. I still think it's a horrible idea, but I didn't realise it was a government uh, initiative and that it's a government initiative. The government is setting the prices, and the buyback is going to be based on uh, evaluations from 2019, um, and then I think a 25 or 30% loading on top of that. And it's I think FMG and BHP who are funding it been giving them the money to buy those houses back so i actually thought it was bhp and fmg themselves that were buying those houses but it's it's a government initiative funded by those guys which means the government can kind of make the rules they want hence the reason they've done those different zoning laws back in 2012 or whenever it was and there's a bunch of arguments going back and forth that there's been zoning laws in in place since 2012 so that's when the evaluations should be from which is a, a fair argument you've stifled what people can do with those properties since 2012 you should probably go off the evaluation of that time period that's not going to happen because houses were three times the price back then um but to the, the the evaluations, some of them I've heard from 2019 are pretty are pretty dodgy. Like a, a guy I know who lives in a three by one, very tidy. He's done a lot of work to it. He's lived in it for a long time, and it's it's uh, it's it's really nice and tidy. And and they're offering him 190 plus the 30 percent loading on top of that. I just thought that's bullshit, mate. Like a three by one that's in good condition in Port Hedland, there's none going for 190,000. Not even last year. So I'm not sure where that evaluation comes from, and I can see why the, the, the residents aren't quite happy with that either. You'd think perhaps maybe the two groups meet in the middle a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, I guess I guess at the end of the day, the government will do whatever they want to do, and the people in those houses will just get told what's going to happen. But um, I hope it comes. I hope it's a fair deal for the, a fair deal for the people. You don't want to see people getting their houses bought off them for one hundred ninety, two hundred thousand dollars when they're really probably worth more like three fifty, five hundred. Um, at least they would have been somewhere in there, that range between 2012 and 2019. And I think that would be a fair initiative to take, but we'll see what happens, comes out of that. I just thought I'd clarify, clarify myself a little bit on that because I've been opinionated about it and I probably didn't have all of the facts. I never have all the facts. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just talking shit. Um, but anyway, look, upcoming with the podcast, um, I have... Katie Evans from the Junction Co. Um, there, there, that art gallery over there in South there, which I, I mentioned in the shout-outs, coming on. There, she's they've, they've got their own podcast. I think they're already doing it, and um, they may have already done one or two episodes, which I think is great. They're interviewing um, artists from the from the community around the country, um, and. And, and yeah, I'm going to get her on my podcast and hopefully I'll probably go on theirs as well. Do a bit of uh, 
cross-podcast pollination and just have a chat to her and let her explain what they're doing over at the junction and what they're doing with the podcast because I'm really excited about it. I think that's really cool. Her and I just need to, we've both got kids and full-time jobs, so we just need to uh, sort out a time on a weekend that works for both of us and we'll get that one happening and underway. Um, yeah, and I need to get some new gear for the podcast as well. I'm going to go for the GoPro Hero 8 or 9. I'll finish doing my research on that this weekend. Got the old tax money come in now, so I've got a little bit outside of the um, the usual savings account that I can use to, to upgrade a little bit. Get the GoPro and a gimbal and a few other, some, some microphones for external work and things like that. And then I'm really going to put this podcast, um, start recording and putting all the episodes on online. Yeah. Um, moving towards more of a uh, eventually I want to have a full-blown YouTube channel going uh, attached to the average man as well so I'm going to start gearing up for that um, effective immediately um, apart from that yeah just keeping going keeping that consistency happening I am feeling pretty good um, obviously I got out and did that diving yesterday which gives me a little bit of a pump in my sense of accomplishment and, and um, just my mental sort of um yeah, where I'm at mentally. Last week, confidence was a bit of a low, lower energy uh, podcast, and you know sometimes that's how I feel. So I felt like instead of just faking it or not doing one, I'd just come on and put it out there, and that's how I felt at the time. That's how I've been feeling a little bit lately. Maybe some people could relate to that, and hopefully that one um, helps people in its own bloody way. This one's a little bit more high energy and hopefully they will be more like this moving forward. So that's all from me for the week. Um, your average amateur spearfisher podcast man. Um, yeah, that's all i got to say and I'll see you all on the next one. Thanks for listening. Average man podcast episode number 78. Slow over and out. Peace.